Welcome back. First of all, we're going to talk about what happened today. We got a great interview in a little bit here with David Pollock that you're going to mm-hmm. absolutely love. Dude's a stud. But Aaron Rodgers traded to the Jets, official. A couple of draft picks in there. Thoughts on that? That's just a weird man. It is a weird man. It's an interesting man. He doesn't seem like he, he gives me big Clay Webb vibes. Very big Clay Webb vibes. But Aaron Rodgers in New York City, that's going to be an interesting fit. Are the Jets a Super Bowl contender as of after this draft? They're are they're going to get a tackle with the 15th pick. They gave it the 13th. They're, they got the 15th. They're going to get a tackle. Who do you think they get? Depends on. I mean, it depends who's on. I think. Broad, I mean, potentially broad. Yeah, I think they need a right. Tackle I think Peter will be the first tackle. But he's gone. Yeah, taken he'll be, off the he'll board. Be gone. Have he'll you be, watched his film yeah, at all? Yeah, he's mean. In, insane. He's got some oomph to him. He's yeah, gone. He does. He's gone. I think it could be broad. I think it, it could be the kid from not Michigan. Ohio State. Ohio State. Dewan Jones. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. What else happened today? Some, something else happened. What's y'all's take on 15 Colorado players in the portal as of today? Something's. I mean, have you watched? Yeah. Have you watched any of their videos? Pause. Their leading receiver who went for 145 and three touchdowns in the spring game is gone. This crazy me. You want to hear something? Uh, regardless, yes. Regardless of whatever happens with their season this year, did you see the attendance of the spring game? Yeah. The entire stadium was packed. Just for them it, to It's go the best even. business move that school has made in its entire history. The uh, tackle market in the NFL just got reset again. By who? Orlando Brown. How much? Four years, $64 million, $31 million signing bonus. That's the one thing I don't understand about the tight end market is, is Kittle and Kelsey were talking about this last year. The tight end market has not moved drastically like it should in the past 10 years. It's been quarterback, tackle, quarterback, tackle, so quarterback, tackle. Tackle market got reset by Taylor Lewan three years ago. And then recently by Laramie Tunsil. Yep. Like who oh, signed two, like a two weeks ago. Stupid contract. Yeah. But this. Jalen Hurts got paid. Jalen Hurts set the market. Got Did paid. you see his comment too? He said, "I don't care about the money. Championships matter more." That's easy to say when you sign for 179 guaranteed. Yeah. Jalen Hurts. What's even crazier to me about that? The story about his agent. Agent. Yeah. Slint, slender, slender's story, DMs. Yeah, Just DM'd him. In the dark. In the shot in the dark. Do, by chance, up. do you have an agent? And he responded, and now she is the negotiator for the biggest contract in NFL history. Fist pump feature of the week, even though Tiger just had surgery. Uh, my fist pump, I have two fist pump features of the week. One, I parked in the outside, and the guy that left before me paid for an hour and a half on the meter, so I didn't have to pay for it. Boom. I probably still have a ticket because we've been here for four hours. Uh, my second feature for my fist pump is we got the camera working. We got our first online episode. Shout out to our producer, Bobby. Patrick, the boys for grinding. Got here a couple hours early. Got it all set up. We have about a 1,000 cords going right now, but we got it set up, and it opens up a whole new avenue for future for this bad boy. Tate, <sighs> you bored? Well, <laughs> after my feet... Uh, fist pump feature happens this won't be a thing anymore me yawning because i'm getting one of these bad boys in the house on wednesday so i'll probably never sleep again and i'll probably start pissing straight coffee but i'll have one of these in my house so we're all good smell great brother that's awesome Speaking of NFL, we just got done with an interview with a former NFL player, David Pollock, who is now on College Game Day. He's also a dog, just an absolutely great dude. Uh, has a foundation that has a golf tournament here in a couple of weeks. So we talk on that. We talk on everything. Everything. SEC championships, national championships, stories uh, from our time at Georgia. College Game Day atmospheres. Favorite, our, our blind draft is favorite game day atmospheres. We had a blast, so check it out from our guy, David Pollock. Looks good. Can you hear us? All right. Hey, you there we go. Your mouth, Tate. 
Hey, you shut your mouth. What's uh, what's going on in the in the Pollock household this evening? Late, my baby girl had volleyball tryouts today, and then she's got play stuff, and then Nicholas has got basketball. So they, we got all kinds. Did the uh, did the the daughter go and dominate like she always does? She did. She did really good this past week. We played in the eighth grade tournament, the seventh graders, and she definitely she took care of some business this weekend. So, how's her wrist doing? She's good. She's uh, she's she's almost back to back to 100. percent We had to go, you know, we had to go to Buffmere Island and get a little treatment, a little yeah, style, little Miyagi style, rub it on there and make it feel better. The Mister Mister Corson special, ice and stem, need it. What uh, you been you been hooping it all lately? Uh very little hooping, a lot of golf. I've actually okay. I've actually uh, started to get the golf bug a little bit. Uh, only walking though. I will not ride. I will only walk. So speaking speaking of riding, you, you don't want to ride that nice little motorcycle you rode around last year at the tournament. Well, I will at my tournament because I have to go see everybody. Um, but but I do not uh, if I'm if I'm playing in a tournament like I have today, I played in one, then I played in one a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I will absolutely walk because I can justify having a good time because the score is obviously never really a good thing. Uh, so <laughs> That's the truth. We justify fat kid getting exercise. So. Speaking of golf, you got your, your tournament May 8th, the Pollock Family Foundation. Talk about that a little bit and, and how that got started. Well, let me, let me first, let me, Tate, you in or you got the final exam? I'm in. I'm in. Let's go! Ah! Breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. Ryland, uh, Ryland's been in for what? This is year three or three. four for you, Ryland. Year four. Yeah, year four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is, this is two for big Tate. My, my daughter asked me, she was like, is big pink coming? And I said, who? <laughs> she said, big pink. I said, who is that? She said, Tate. She said, last year he came in big pink. And I was like, that is a big man. And he was wearing pink. So, okay, I'm with it. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is year seven, man. Um, we, it's been awesome. It's grown. We were, our first couple of years, we were trying to daggum. Uh, we were giving away things for people to come and giving away a bunch of foursomes. And this year, right now, dude, we got 37 foursomes. So Dang, go. It is, oh, dude, it is it is all it's such a blessing. It'll uh mostly benefit uh children's health care of Atlanta. And uh, they do so many good things for so many people and save so many lives. And we can least we can do is raise them some money and it'll be a bunch of old dogs and a bunch of new dogs and a bunch of just dang good dogs. Speaking of dang good, I mean, I can speak from from experience of being there for four years, man. It's a it's a dang good event, dude. You do you guys do a heck of a job putting that thing on. Appreciate that, brother. Appreciate that, man. We're gonna we're gonna miss you, but you're still a dog. How about that? Still a dog, just a different breed. Come on, man. <laughs> what? Uh, speaking of your of your foundation, how how did that get started? And and you know, what what do you enjoy about about that side of it? Um. Well, I mean, dude, we have. Me and my family have been given way more than we deserve. And I think it's, um, it's our duty and our obligation to dang sure make sure that we get to give back. And, you know, I don't, um, I don't deserve what, what the, the blessings and the things that we have monetarily and the experiences and the job and all that stuff that comes with it. So we've done a good job of trying to serve other people and um, find a way to plug into other people that are, that are not as fortunate. And, and that, listen, a lot of these people that are not as fortunate I'm one, I'm one decision away from being that person, you know, and I'm, I'm not given one good opportunity that other people are given. So we just wanted to, we make sure, you know, it's our duty. It's our calling to give back. And, you know, we've kind of evolved through the years with our foundation and, you know, had trouble. Um, we first started when we started with childhood obesity, because that was a big thing for me and my wife. We have just been given way more than we deserve and just finding other people that we can go bless. And, 
come alongside them and maybe give them the opportunity that we've been given along the way to to help them thrive, to help them flourish. And it it looks many different ways, man. We've built playgrounds, you know, for people. We've we've come beside people when they've had accidents in their lives and tried to to be a positive influence and try to help them financially, try to help them in any way, shape, or form. So we just uh, it, it's it's a calling, you know. It's definitely something that we're passionate about. We love and just trying to help other people that that aren't haven't been as fortunate and got as many blessings as we have. I love it, dude. We're gonna so we're gonna take it back a little bit before the foundation. Uh, before the golf tournament, you were born in New Brunswick, New Jersey, uh, and then you ended up down here at uh, Shiloh High. How did you go from New Jersey to Georgia and Snellville? Dang, somebody show prep. Jeez, I hear you, bro. <laughs> it's like you've been doing this for a minute, bud. I know, I know little, Tate didn't little do bit. that. Uh, Tate, sure, dang heck, didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't do it. <laughs> Man, I, I was born up north. My daddy always told me, he was like, bro, he said, you're going to be a Scarlet Knight. And I'm like, what the heck is a Scarlet Knight? <laughs> he was like, Rutgers. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, moved to Georgia when I was four years old, started playing football and um, went to Shallow High School. And y'all wouldn't probably know this unless, unless you knew a little bit about my story, but not highly recruited, you know, out of high school, had a couple offers, um, but wanted to go right down the road close to my girlfriend who's now my wife, Georgia was, uh, was just so close being 50 minutes away from, from shallow. And coach, I came in with coach Rick, which was so cool because we started to turn that ship around because we were kind of, we were kind of very mediocre for a while. And that ain't Georgia. Georgia's not mediocre. Georgia's got way too much talent and too many great things, great fans to be, to be average. So it was really cool to be a part of that, but moved down South because uh, my granddaddy got a job and my dad and my mom followed and, Thank the good Lord I came to the South. Yes, sir, baby. You talk about Coach Rick a little bit. Um, you know, I think about from my childhood, he is Georgia football. And so for you, what's your favorite Coach Rick story that you'll always remember? Man, Coach Rick, there's so many facets to Coach Rick. And I'll tell you one recently that's my favorite. I was doing a men's group, and we got a bunch of buddies who are – you know, trying to do this parenting thing. We're trying to do the best we can with our faith. And we're, we're trying to grow and we're trying to be positive influences in the community. And, and I think the best way to do it, you know, is to learn from other people, right? Like find other people who have done a great job that you respect, that you admire and, and, and pick their brain. I call coach Rick. I'm like, listen, dude, I'm putting together a men's group and it's going to be like 10 to, to 15 of us guys that have kids and that are trying to, to parent and parent with a purpose on purpose trying to make church a priority, you know, trying to live out our faith. And we're, I'm, how do you do it? Like, how do you, how do you find a good group? How do you find older folks that'll pour into you? And this was two or three years ago. And Coach Rick said, I'll do it. And I'm like, what? He was like, I'll, I'll come, I'll come help. So Coach Rick shows up every time he's in town, 6 a.m. We meet at my buddy's house and we've gone through Hebrews and we've gone through Romans. And now we're going through a Maxwell book. Maxwell, baby. Maxwell. Shout out Maxwell, John Maxwell. Baby. Now yes, we're going through a, a Maxwell book and, and just, you know, pouring into each other and, and trying to find ways to hold each other accountable. You know, that's, I think that's what you, what you realize as you get older, man, that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And we're trying to, you know, spend time with each other and, and do it right and hold each other accountable. So I think that's the, the newest one of, of many blessings that Coach Rick has meant to me. That's awesome, man. And I'll tell you what, just from 
you know, being a younger guy and being around you, you're doing the exact same thing for younger guys and, and you're being that blessing to a ton of younger guys that you don't even know about. So that's one of the things I respect about you the most. Um, kind of hitting on the family topic that you just talked about. You have a podcast, Family Goals Podcast. Talk about how that started and, and what you enjoy doing about that. Family Goals started in my pastor's closet at church. So, no way. That sound, by the way, that sounded a lot worse coming out than it did. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we started like a little broom closet and, and we talked about it, man. And I, I had met with a bunch of, and, and I've met with Ryland, you know, when he was in high school, coming out of high school and talked to you about your journey and tried to pick your brain about, you know, how you got parented and how you turned out so great and how you learned your lessons. And, um, you know, so it's the same thing with my kid, my kids, and I'm sitting down with them and I'm, you know, helping them iron out their goals and we're learning from them and I'm learning how to do it, learning to screw it up, learning to do it well. And me and my pastor was like, man, we need to, we need to write a book, but we don't know how to write a book. So let's do the, let's do this podcast thing and we'll record them and then we'll give them to a writer who can write the book for us. And we were like, sweet. And then we started, we started doing that and we started, you know, attacking different subjects and really just trying to help parents and help young men who are just first time marriage, first time with marriage and just keep perspective on their life. And man, we had one the other day, Rylan, we had a pod, we had a, we had a million views. And that is incredible to think about something that we started in a closet with me and my pastor that, you know, I spoke at a church in Alpharetta this weekend and so many people came up to me, dude, it's been such a blessing. Like the last series you did with the five love languages and it was so, and, and like we did five love languages and everybody's heard about that book for your husband and for your wife. I was like, but what about for your kids? Because at, kids feel love in a certain direction too. And simple questions that we figured out, like with my daughter, I was like, Leah, how do you know daddy loves you? And she was like, because you give me hugs and kisses. And I'm like, all right, her love language is physical touch. Yeah. Like I gotta make sure as she gets older that I continue to meet that need, but not be weird, right? Like she's 12. Like we're not gonna hold hands and like skip through the mall anymore. I just, that ship has sailed, but but I can come up to, to baby girl and come behind her and put my hand on her shoulder and be like, hey, how was your day? You know, to just, to love her a little bit better. So family goals has grown. It's grown, and, and listen, this is why it's important for y'all. And it's important for everybody listening. Like, I think people say it all the time, like write down your goals, write down this, write down why. If Rylan, Tate, if I would have written down my goals in life, I, my, I outlive my goals. Like I've gone way beyond what I thought I could ever possibly do. That's why I think like, I think it's so important to, yes, to have goals and to have small goals and small victories and big things to shoot for. But it's amazing what God can do in your life. And it's, it's been to crazy to watch. Like, don't let people tell you what you can and can't do. God can do amazing things. And it's just been, it's been interesting, man, with the family goals and with me. I never thought I would do media. I was sitting there and you guys shoes. And just like y'all, y'all probably sometimes get so annoyed with the media because they're annoying. And that's part of the reason why I'm good at it. Because I'm obnoxious, loud, and opinionated. <laughs> so I kind of check all the boxes of being a, a commentator and being you know, in the media, but you know, you never know, you never know what's coming, you know, and you hear the saying all the time, you know, be great where you're at. But I think there's a, there's a lot to that in life, man. If we can, if we can be great where we're at and continue to just work hard every day, it's, it's amazing what can happen. I love it, dude. And, and you know, what's cool for me too is, you know, Alex and I are getting ready to get married. And one of the cool things is like, we've, we've sent 
your podcast and some of your clips on Instagram back and forth to each other. And so that's been really cool to uh, just follow you through that the last year. Um, you talked about awesome, getting, bro. Yeah, dude. No, it's been really cool. So I appreciate you uh, for, for doing that and following the Holy Spirit and, and getting after it. One of the things you mentioned was uh, you had no clue you'd get into media. So we'll get back into your football career in a minute. But how did you go from, you know, ending your career and then ESPN? How did that happen? All right. So I'm watching the SEC or I'm watching the end of the 2006 season. I had just broke my neck in the NFL. And I'm watching Kirk Herbstreit talk about Georgia should not play for the national championship because they didn't win their conference. I knew Kirk from Ohio, but it was ticking me off because I'm a Georgia guy. And I'm like, wait a minute. And he's saying Georgia doesn't belong. And I'm yelling at the TV screen. I'm like, bro, this is this. I'm getting upset. I call my agent the next day. I'm like, hey, if I can't go play again, which I knew there was a good chance with with my my neck and what happened, I want to try the media thing. I, I want to go argue with those guys. Like, I want to go, you know, be, be honest to goodness, when I started, and Kirk's one of the great ones, but when I started, I'm like, listen, I can be good and be positive in this space. It doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't have to be attacking kids, because I still consider y'all kids, man. Like, I, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be that all the time. I'm not looking for sound bites. I don't have to be that guy. And I think it took me a little while to get over that in my head and the mental hurdle, but that's what started my interest. And then I started doing radio and then I started doing television, Fox, SEC, Gridiron Live, and Herbie's flipping through the channels one day when he was, when this was, this was 15 years ago, dude. I mean, he's flipping through the channels, you know, 14 years ago and he sees me doing a local show that even my mama didn't watch, you know, in Atlanta that somehow he saw and he was like, dude, I love your passion for this. And I think you'd be good at it. And he actually, you know, got me with ESPN and got my foot in the door and it was nuts. I, I, it's not something I ever dreamed about doing. Really my passion and my fanhood for Georgia is what kind of got me into it because wanting to defend Georgia and, you know, what they were going through that, that one year because I thought they should have played for a natty. But somehow, some way, that's how it all got started. Dude, I love it. That's awesome. That's a great story about Kurt getting you in there. You know, talk about defending Georgia. You went to Georgia uh, 01 to 04. When you think about Georgia, what's the one moment that comes to your mind? So 02 season, and y'all wouldn't know anything about this because y'all are just collecting national championship rings, which is flipping outstanding. And I feel like the biggest... <laughs> Uh, cheerleader, trust me, it's it's really fun to to watch you guys, even though we didn't experience it for ourselves. In 02, we had been over 20 years at Georgia without an SEC championship ring. And it, it didn't sit well with any of us. And we knew it shouldn't sit well. And in 02, my first it was my first year as a starter, man. We we took the SEC by storm and really did a great job and beat everybody up and then won the championship game 30 to 3. Not that I remember these four, but um, we, we won the championship and, and kind of just brought Georgia back on the national landscape. And, you know, the last couple of years I was there, we finished in the top five in the country. Just seems like we were always just outside the national championship picture at three or five, something like that. Very frustrating. But that was definitely the, the big time moment of bringing Georgia to where it should be. It should be a team that's in the national championship contention. It should be a team that every four years you're at Georgia, you win the SEC championship. Like you should experience that. And then now, obviously, y'all are changing where it's going to be. Everybody gets a ring. So that's even even better in a four-year span. You get a national championship ring. Yeah, Coach Smart has started this thing telling the uh, early enrollees that all they've done is inherit. And uh, yep. I think it's a weekly thing at this point. I mean, it's every meeting. 
telling somebody they inherited something. I love that, Tate. I absolutely love hearing that. I'm not surprised by Kirby, but but you know how this game works, man. Like you come on to a team that's been stacked, that's been great. Like you inherit those colors, Tate. You inherit the success of the people that that played before you. But don't get it twisted. You didn't do anything to get there yet. You didn't do anything mm-hmm. to contribute. I think that's a great point by Kirby, and it's a great point for for everybody everywhere, man. You you're you're privileged to wear that uniform. Like it's not a it's not a right. You know, not everybody gets a chance to win a championship. Y'all are in the the select minority. Definitely think about going back to back in the minority. But these new kids that are there, they they got to hear that over and over and over again because you know the, this this generation definitely you know, thinks that success comes in different ways. It looks different ways. But the bottom line is if you weren't in there putting in your blood, sweat, and tears and take, you know something about that with your with your ankle and what you've had to deal with in the rehab and how how much that sucked and how many days you had to be in the tra- – Rylan, you know how bad that training room has been for you so many times, time and time again. So I, I agree with that message wholeheartedly. Yes, sir. I love it, man. You talk about it being a blessing wearing the red and black. I told Kirby – I grew up a Georgia fan, so thank you for changing my life because it was an absolute blessing wearing these these colors. So real quick, Rylan, let me ask the question real quick. Tate, what's your okay. best what's your best Kirby story or best story that you have for Georgia? Somebody doing something crazy, somebody saying something crazy. What's your what's your best story you can tell on the airwaves? Keep it keep it PG. So this is, it's actually something that was directed towards me. We were in summer, like the summer period where coaches aren't allowed to be out there, but we're allowed to do one-on-ones and seven-on-seven. And I remember it was me and Devontae Wyatt, and we were doing a one-on-one. And I think Vontae kind of took the play off, wasn't really that great of a rep by him. And Coach Smart saw it. And I'm a sophomore at this point, and Vontae's a, Vontae's a vet. So, oh, yeah. He, go, he goes after me, and um, I just see him start running across the field. And I just, I, coaches aren't supposed to be out there at this point. Meanwhile, pause. We're doing seven-on-seven seven at the other end, and all we see is Kirby hauling butt towards state, and we're like, what in the world happened? On the mic, I don't even remember. Oh, he told me – this is the year before we won the Natty, the first Natty. He told me that we would be the reason that we were going to go 10-2, and two, a bunch of other stuff, and then eventually started to walk away, turned back around, and threw his mic on the ground and broke it. <laughs> so that that's probably the, the best one that's happened to me. Rylan, what you got? My best one is... I mean, it can be good. It don't have to be negative. It can be funny. It can be whatever. I'll tell a, I'll tell a recruiting story. How about that? Make sure so it's this legal. Is, don't get us in trouble. No, it's, it's, it's legal. <laughs> we do all things legal at the University of Georgia. Come on. So the day that he offered me, I was getting ready to go to a couple different camps and so he looked at me and he was like, I don't want you to tell a soul about this offer until in about a, like three or four weeks. He was like, I want you to see that I believed in you first when no one else did. So I went, I went to the three or four other camps. Nobody else offered me except Austin P. But other than that, no one else offered me. And then two weeks later, I started telling people about the Georgia offer. And then Auburn, Tennessee, Bama, boom, boom, boom. And we talked later on once I was able to talk to him again. And he was like, I told you, I was the first that believed in you. And I was like, I'm coming to Georgia. That's it. Like, it's over. That's it's a wrap. Good. That's dope. I like that. Hey, Tate, uh, or whoever said it, actually, Ryan, you might have said it. You you know what NIL stands for, right? Name, image, likeness. Yeah. 
No. It stands for now it's legal. <laughs> okay. So I'm an old dog, by the way, but there was plenty of stuff going around then that, that was plenty good. That it was awesome opportunities. That was cool things. And by the way, I'm past the statute of limitations, so it don't matter. Like, can't nobody get in trouble for me anymore. But um, that's 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 my favorite. That's what NIL stands for. Now it's. Well, legal. I remember uh, reading something about the. It was about SMU players right before they got the death penalty, saying they Ooh. took a pay cut going to the NFL. <laughs> hey, and, hey, and now Tate, some of y'all are going to be able to relate to that in the very near future. <laughs> hey, speaking of NIL, I just paid my first round of taxes this past Ooh. this past. And I told some of the guys who have made some decent money, and they were like, taxes? I was like, yeah, taxes. I was like, you get taxed on that money, if fellas. If you want to play next year, I'd pay those taxes. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle oh, Sam yeah. is coming. Hey, plenty of consequence or plenty of things that, bro, I, I, I can't imagine the world that y'all deal with with that stuff. Man. Do, do y'all just trust, you know, because I, I didn't get a, a bunch of money, uh, especially, you know, a bunch of money legally and things that, you know, to the extent of what you could get, but like, do y'all just trust the people around you, your friend, like your family and your immediate circle just to, to handle things and to be able to put you in a good position? I do. Uh, I, I think it's different for each person. So the, the guys that are making enough money to where it's going to be noticeably taxed on, they have a third-party company that's handling their all the 1099s and the stuff that they need. Uh, for guys that are on a smaller scale, like I just trust my dad and my, my dad's guy, and we, did, we sat down and did it together. Mm -hmm. So. It depends on the scale of what you're, you know. The, this brings me back to my favorite saying, the two, the two guarantees in life, death and taxes. Death and taxes, baby. <laughs> yep. yep. Death and, and you, taxes. And you're you seeing that now. Welcome to the real world, boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, getting back, like you said, into the real world, you're leaving tomorrow morning for the draft. Uh, what is, you know, what does that look like? And then also hit on what your favorite part about being on game day is, because that's arguably one of the, when, when football's around, like, I want to sit down and watch and watch college game day Saturday morning. Oh, whenever, whenever we have afternoon game, we're all in the hotel watching game day. You just you pass, <laughs> game you walk day. down the hallway and room after room, you just hear the same voice and it's game day every Saturday morning. So what is, what's your favorite part about that? And then what does your process look like going to the draft tomorrow? Well, the, the first thing in the game, I'm, I'm glad y'all watch. That's awesome. That's, that's a huge compliment. But here, here's the thing with game day. It's so cool, man, for us because I have – had the privilege to go see everybody's traditions, you know, everybody's schools, everybody's, you know, even when we went to North Dakota state and, 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 and JMU and like all these like off the beaten path stuff, it's really, really cool to see the different dog walks, you know, the different things that invigorate the fans, the different psycho fans that the different chants, all the different things that, that are a part of it with game day. And here's the thing, man, I, I got football, taken away from me at a very young age. And it was something that I told everybody that was around me when I, from when I was six years old, I'm gonna play in the NFL, I'm gonna play in the NFL, I'm gonna play in the NFL. I got there and it lasted two seasons and it was gone like that. But the awesome thing about game day, man, I still got football in my life. I, I still got a reason to compete and watch tape and try to be the best and try to be right more than I'm wrong and try to be right more than other people that do the same job and try to point out things that other people might not point out or other people might not see. So for me, it's everything, man, because I have to have football in my life. It's It's been a huge part of who I am and what I am and what's made me successful. And then the draft, man, it's so cool because 
I remember being that kid. I remember being the guy that goes, this is the day that all of all that crap, all the stuff that I did in the in private, in the dark, all the times the tape talked about, like you got cursed out and you got yelled at, the, the weightlifting, the stretching, the cold tubs, all the suck, all the things that you went for because you knew it would be worth it in the end, you get to hear your name called. And you get to celebrate that with the people that you love so much and having my mom, my dad, my grandma, my grandfather, like all the people that I know helped me get to that point was awesome. So now, how cool is it? We get to go to Kansas City this week. And Thursday, we get to share the stories of the kids' dreams who are coming true. Like these kids' dreams from so many years ago, some when they were three, four, five, six, some a little bit later. And now, man, we get to put the cherry on the top of the Sunday and celebrate them. Um, so I think that's just such a cool moment. It's such a cool thing sharing those people. And you see the tears and the emotion from all the, the friends and family and some of the guys that slip sometimes and they finally get picked and you see, you know, the, the tears and it's just, so I think that's my, that's my favorite part about going to the draft every year is watching those guys' dreams come true. I love it, man. You talked about, and kind of going back, you talked about, uh, you know, game day, being a part of different traditions, different dog walks, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to actually turn it over to our producer, Bobby, who we do a segment, we call it the blind draft. And I'm going to let Bobby introduce it to you real quick. Bring it, Bobby. Yeah. Uh, so for this blind draft, you know, you mentioned um, that talking about game day, best like atmospheres that you were able to experience. So for this blind draft, we're going to do um, best game day experiences, whether that's playing at that college or, you know, being on game day, you've got to experience a lot of different stuff. So you're going to rank these five game day experiences at these colleges without knowing which one is coming next. Okay. Ah, okay. So we're going to go DP, you're going first, and then it'll be me and Tate, and then we'll just keep rotating. All right. So number one, we got to go Rutgers. Rutgers? First? I don't think we've ever been to Rutgers. Have you ever been to a game or a, a, any experience at Rutgers? I, uh, well, yeah, I've been to Rutgers, and I've called a game at Rutgers before, but I thought you were talking about the show, Game on College Game Day. Game Day Atmosphere? Yes, sir. Okay, five. That's easy. Next. Five, yeah. All five. fives around. Five Rutgers? All around. Are you kidding me? Five. I, was, I, I thought that was going to be one you'd give us last. No, I had, had to do Rutgers. I had to put it out there first. Don't worry. They, they'll get better. They'll get better. I had to put that okay. one out there first, though. So, number two, we've got Alabama. Whew. Three. And this is this is not including Georgia or Mississippi State, right? We didn't include Georgia and Mississippi State in this? Georgia and Mississippi okay. State are not in this. Um, Bryant Denny gets rocking. Three. What you got, DP? Three? I like three. Because when we, when, the only time I've ever played there was during COVID, and it was a quarter full, so it wasn't a full experience. I've been there to the Iron Bowl before. Woo. That's a good recruiting. That's a, that's a good and so I'm going I'm to put it at two. I'll go three. Now, see, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Tate. I've been in this business long enough to know. Bobby came out the gate with Rutgers to make it easy. Then he goes Alabama. Now he's coming. I, I, I got a guess of a couple of schools that he's coming with next. So I'm going three with Alabama. I like three. See, I'm, I'm looking for a specific number one, knowing that Georgia isn't in it. Okay, yep. Bobby. Third, we've got Georgia Tech. Oh. Dude, what, what? Four. Four. <laughs> Four. All right, next one. You guys one. sure about that? Yes. All right. 
A hundred percent. All right. If I could give, if I could give lower, I would, but I don't have a spot lower. Can we put him at six, like just off the list? I'm just kidding. You go. tried to before. Anyways, next we got Tennessee. One. Oh, one. One. That's the one I was looking for. One. Neyland Stadium is. I'm. See, I grew up a Tennessee two. fan. Dave, what are you looking for? I'm going two. All right. See, I grew up a Tennessee fan and grew up going to Neyland. Oh, I love that place. I'll tell you what. I am so excited to play there this year. When we played there last year and Hinton Hooker went down and scored in that first possession, dude, it was the loudest stadium I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I think it was Ben Jones told me that when they played there, it was a really close game. And in the fourth quarter, he said he looked down and the ball was vibrating. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and the thing about Tennessee is – when they were really rocking years and years ago, that place was rocking and unbelievable. And it's kind of obviously tapered off a little bit because they haven't been as good. But when Tennessee's good, it is absolutely crazy. But Bobby, I think you got one more left and I think it's gonna be a really good one. Yes, sir, I do. And I believe it is. LSU. <clears throat> no, we got Penn State. One. Two. Put it at my three. You're, have y'all, I'm thinking y'all, whiteout game. I think that's got to be one of the best atmospheres in all sports. It's one of the coolest things you'll ever see. And again, I wouldn't have been able to see it without game day, right? Because I played, you know, in the South, but going and watching everybody in white, everybody having the white pom poms. It is, it is unbelievable. It's, it's crazy, unbelievable. So loud. By the way, they're not, they're not the typical northeastern fan base either. Like they are, they, they will rival every bit of everybody in the South. They got a bunch of people packed in that stadium and they are loud and obnoxious. They are awesome. It's a great fan base. Wasn't it the Michigan game that they always show the clip of, of them having two false or two false starts and having to call a timeout? Probably. I think it is. I mean, I'm trying to think this year because we, we had three false starts on the first play of the game this year, and we yes. weren't even playing at that loud of stadiums. Ooh, I get, I get to play in some fun ones this next year. I got LSU. We get LSU. to play. You better hope that's not at 730. At A&M, at home against Ole Miss, that'll be fun. I feel like LSU at night would be – is just an intimidating place to play. That, okay, so when I was playing, there, there's two things. I played in Knoxville when they were way better than us in 01 my freshman year. By the way, I played defensive tackle. And Albert Hainsworth and John Henderson were the other defensive tackles oh. for Tennessee. And I'm like, one of these do not look like the other. I don't know if I'm in <laughs> the right sport. That was the loudest place I've ever heard at one time. Travis Travis Henry caught a uh, screen pass, and it was bananas. Hey, David Green drove us down the field, hobnail boot game. The quietest place I've ever heard in my life after that as well. And then LSU, my sophomore season when they had it rolling, that was the loudest atmosphere I've ever heard from start to finish. Like they are absolutely nuts. You, you, I remember coming in on the bus and I remember we were stopping close to the stadium, but I had a grandma that was like 80 flip you off. Like she just literally flipped you off, had somebody else moon you. And then they would shake the bus whenever you stopped and got near and they were shaking our bus. I mean, it was, Hey, and then when we went out, before the game so when, when you come out as a team before the game we walk out onto the field this is two or two three hours before kick before we're dressed like first time you step foot on the field whole student section was completely covered in and all of them were chanting f you georgia f you it was unbelievable it was absolutely nuts that place that place has different different fans and it's it's one of the most incredible places i've ever seen so so if we got would that be your honorable what we'll do one honorable mention considering there's LSU. a lot of, bunch of great stories lsu 
Or Auburn, but LSU. Alcohol and Cajuns Man. just end up for a rowdy time. <laughs> that is true, Kate. Auburn, you're right. Auburn is pretty incredible, too. I was there. I was on the sideline for the kick six, and that oh. was stupid. I mean, that was absolutely insane. That was one of the craziest things I've ever witnessed or been a part of. And, and, and by the way, the even the fans going nuts were one thing and, and going all over the place. The Bama fans' reaction was the craziest thing I've ever seen because it was like it was 30 minutes after the kick six, and, and there's 20,000 Bama fans still sitting their seats going, what the freak just happened? Like, <laughs> they still couldn't put it together because they were still blown away. Like, how the heck did that just happen? That was that was a cool atmosphere. Yeah, I was I there. I ton. I will bow out and let these, uh, let these yeah, boys go away. Get out, of it. <laughs> get out of here, boy. Well, speaking of Jordan Hare, I was there, and I went the year that they beat Alabama and us. I was at both games. I was in the student section for the Georgia game. 17. And yes, and I was in a box for the Alabama game. We were in the box. We were screaming in each other's ears and couldn't hear a word the other person was saying. It's crazy, man. That's a that's a crazy that's a crazy place to play. Great fan base. Even when they stink, that fan base has always been good. And when the eagle flies out too, it's kind of dope, man. That's one of the cooler things you're going to see in college football. For sure, SEC football gets hits it different, boys. Hey, cowbells. Cowbells. The, I I hate those things. I hate them. Actually, every single person on our offense after we scored was looking at their student section doing this. <laughs> every single one of us. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that, that rings in my ears next year, but I'm pumped it's, for it. It's horrible. I mean, I was there, I know. And it's horrible. I know. Especially when you're trying to hear Stetson clap. And Stetson doesn't have the loudest claps. So, it, it's... Somebody needs a better clap, bro. <laughs> we... We've tried. I don't think he has it in him. But that's the thing. The first play of the game is always the hardest because you have to distinguish the sound of the clap throughout everything. And once you do that, it's smooth sailing. But the first play of the game, it's almost impossible. All right, I got another one for you. Hey, boys, give me the best Stetson Bennett story you got. <laughs> I can't say that on air. Well, give me the best <laughs> one you got that's clean. No, oh, man. Because I can't. I can't share a couple I've heard, <laughs> but I would, I would love to hear if you got. I mean, just what about the ballsiest thing you've seen him do, or the, the craziest thing you've seen him do? Not being disrespectful or anything like that, but just what about craziest yeah. thing he said to you? Maybe like, has he ever? I've got, I've got one. Go. I need to think about so, this. So Mississippi State game, actually. Speaking of, after our false start, first play, I shift my shoulder and partially tear my labrum. And I'm sitting there like, my arm's numb. Stetson comes up to me. He's like, 69, are you good? I'm like, yeah, I just can't move my arm. He's like, what's wrong with that? I was like, my shoulder. He said, ah, who needs a shoulder? He said, go block. I was like, All right. <laughs> <laughs> I like oh, that. Oh, man. Shoulders, shoulders are overrated. I'll give, a, I'll give a different kind of unique answer. So his, So we came in together when he came back, and we roomed together the first six months. Um and without even know, like the first week on campus, it, this is really this is more of a family story than it is about Stetson. Uh, his dad actually texted me without ever meeting me, um, just knowing me through Stet, texted me and was like, "Hey, if you ever need anything, don't don't ever be afraid to reach out. I'm here for you." And so that was a cool a cool moment uh, early on in my career here with him. Hey, that's super cool. Hey, what about this? Yeah. When did when did y'all know? And don't don't give me the cookie cutter bull crap answer like, "Oh, we knew from the day we met him." 
Like, when did y'all know he was a he was the dude? Like, when did y'all know that he had onions the size of the state of Georgia? Uh, <laughs> fall camp before we won the first natty, he comes in our huddle and tells our offensive line that we need to get our shit together. That's that's amazing. Wow. Amazing. It was it was and the thing is, it was a team run period. So he wasn't throwing the ball. We were just giving up TFL after TFL. He comes to the huddle in the middle of a team run period, tells us to get our shit together. And we're like, yep. He's got something he's got something different about him if he's gonna say that. Yeah. I would I'll stick with that story. I like that. That's good. Well, DP, I appreciate you uh being on here with us. Thanks for taking time out of your day. I'll uh shoot, we'll see you here in about a week and a half and, and swing the club a little bit. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. Thanks both of y'all for coming too, man. Yep, appreciate it. Yes, sir, brother. Appreciate Peace. you, man.